Have you ever felt like your work environment was out of alignment with your core values? Maybe you couldn't quite put your finger on the problem, but you just knew that something was wrong. That's what I'm talking about this week with Emily Smith, author of the book, Wholeness Within, insights from one woman's journey of creating a life and career in alignment. Here we talk about how to recognize when you're not in the right place and how to use a somatic approach to building greater self-trust and finding a better career fit for you. Thank you so much as always for listening. Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Files. My name is Kim Menninger, and as an executive coach and former high-tech leader, my personal mission is to help professionals overcome imposter syndrome so that you can advance your career with confidence. Each week, I interview a new guest who brings a powerful perspective to this conversation, including personal stories, best practices, and new insights. The more we talk about this issue, the more we destigmatize imposter syndrome, recognize that we're not alone, and empower ourselves to access the tools and resources that can help us and those around us. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing with others you think would benefit from this conversation. Welcome, Emily. It's so great to meet you. I'm really excited for our conversation today. and I'd love to start by inviting you to introduce yourself. Thank you, Kim. I'm so excited to chat with you today, too. And I will share that I'm an author and a career embodiment coach for high-achieving, highly sensitive women, helping them to embody more of who they are so they can create success in their careers and their life. Um, and I do that through a few different modalities, um, that we'll talk about and dive deeper in. That sounds great. And I know you work full-time too, so you clearly have a full plate. Yes. Yeah. And then I work full-time in marketing and branding and yeah, that's how I got connected with you. I'm involved in like different events and went to the West event and loved your presentation. Oh, thank you. And I'm curious what led you down this path because you mentioned high achieving, highly sensitive women, and um, I would probably count myself among them. And uh, I'm curious, is that your story too, or what drew you to this population? Yeah, it's definitely my story. I graduated business school and I think I entered a lot of competitive type of work environments where I felt I had to change who I was to advance. And so I tried to fit into the mold of being very masculine and maybe like bitchy too, I think is like, you know, what they say is like a powerful woman. And I just tried all these things that were not in alignment with who I am and climbed the ladder. And, you know, I just had success at an early stage in my career, but I really felt so um, disconnected from myself and did not enjoy what I was doing. So I had to really step out of that and then get clear on what do I actually want to do in my career. And what I found from doing that is it was a healing journey of like recognizing my qualities and myself that are soft and sensitive and really embracing those and using that to create a a career path for myself and to just accept myself as who I am. So I think that there are so many people who can identify with what you're describing because there has been this traditional mold that um, whether it's been explicitly 
verbalized or it's just a sense that we get that that's the expectation, right? And it certainly makes it harder, I think, for women because we may also receive backlash for engaging in some of those more masculine behaviors. How did you know that you were doing this and that it wasn't working? Like, were you conscious of the adjustments you were making? Like, were you were you like intentionally doing things or were you more so unconsciously responding to implicit pressures? Like how would you characterize your, Oh yeah. I would say it was unconscious for a long time. And, you know, I would work, I worked in the same company, I guess like five years right out of school. And I just kept wanting to move and I would like, okay, I'll move into a different office. And they were a global company. So I worked in their London office and I was like, nope, it's not working there. Um, I'm going to go to the New York office. And I just felt like I had to keep changing. And even when I left corporate and I did more freelance work, I worked at a few startups. I was just going through that same pattern of going into a workplace where, um, you know, it was like very competitive for women and I'm in marketing and it seemed to be these companies I was in, it was mostly men. And it's just really interesting now how I was able to get clear on my strengths, what I want out of a company. And now I work at um, a certified women-owned business where the whole leadership team is made up of women and it's just night and day from my past. And so, yeah, I was very unconscious for a long time. (laughs) And what effect did that have on you? Like, how did you... How did it make you feel? Was it, were there physical consequences, emotional consequences? Like what, how did you get to a point where you said, this is no longer working for me? Yeah. I love that question. I, yeah. So I hit burnout a few times and it really wasn't until um, my dad passed away in 2016, where that was like a wake up call of, you know, life is short and it's like, why are you wasting time in a situation where you're not happy? Um, I still had to go through it a few more times to really get the lesson, but I would just find that my body would just be, um, I had burnout, adrenal fatigue. I was constantly sick. Um, and I just started making these changes to my health. Like I was going to meditation and therapy and yoga And I was doing all the right things, but then I realized, oh, like the main part of my life, like a huge part is the career and that is still not in alignment. So I have to work on that and make sure that's right for me. And that's really the subtitle of my book is um, One Woman's Journey of Creating a Life and Career in Alignment, because that was the ultimate piece where it was about healing and knowing I was worthy of having a career that I enjoyed and was respected in. And throughout the course of this journey, did you doubt yourself? Like as you're starting to realize this isn't working for me, I know for so many of us, when that disconnects starts to surface, the natural tendency is to say, oh, there must be something wrong with me, right? Like I'm not good enough. I'm not doing this right. Whatever the case may be. Like, how did you manage the self-doubt piece of your story? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I really, I think my self-doubt was hit 
the hardest when um, actually in my role in London, I was let go from that role and I must've been 23. And at that point, I thought that was the worst moment of my career, my life. And I had worked at this huge company um, that, you know, most people would die to work there. And I was like, I blew my chance. I don't know who would ever hire me again. And, um, and I really had to rebuild my trust in myself of making the right decisions and also my self-worth. So what I found was by doing freelance work in marketing and by even starting my business, I started that from my own healing journey and coaching others in their wellness and living a more balanced life. Um, I found that I was able to regain a sense of perspective of like, okay, look at this, like I can recreate and I still have these skills just because that happened to me. Um, I was able to move forward and then come back to working full time in a healed way. And I think that is so important because a lot of people in the last few years, I think left corporate because of these kind of workplaces that were toxic or they were burnt out and they never wanted to go back. And it's like, you can go to the right place. You just have to be very clear on who you are, what you value and what you're willing to settle for and what you aren't. I think that's really important too, because I think sometimes, and at least this was the case for me. So I worked at one company for most of my career. And so I didn't know what I didn't know. And so you start to think that this is just the way things are. You don't necessarily realize, oh, there may be other companies out there that have different values or different norms. And so it can be really easy to start to feel like I'm the crazy one. Yes, (laughs) totally. Yeah. Uh, So I love what you say about start with you, right? Who am I and what do I want? And then think about what environment is going to be best. Like what, what can you share about? And I'm sure you say this in much more detail in the book, and I'm sure it's, it's a very complicated answer, but are there specific things you would recommend for people who are listening and thinking that's me. And I don't even know where to start in thinking about how to get from point A to point B. Yeah, I really recommend and yeah, I talk about this in the book, these different assessments um, and I work on this with clients, but looking at yourself from an objective view. So I love um, the MBTI. I think it's called 16 personalities now. Um, And I also like this assessment called the genius test. And it is a philosophy of... um, Chinese um, elemental energy and like which one you show up as um, fully and um, the Gallup Strengths Finder as well. So I think that this is a great way to understand what your inherent strengths are and to value those and shift your focus there so that you know, like, okay, here is what I'm good at no matter what. Because I think a lot of times it's I don't have enough experience to change and enough experience for someone to hire me. Um, I don't have the right experience. And if you are just clear on your qualities and skills that you can provide, and that's 
really applicable to any job. Um, that's like where you can start rebuilding and getting an understanding of how you work best and how your energy shows up best. Uh, another assessment is human design. And that's really about how you make decisions and how you um, manage your energy, like which environments are right for you, what kind of tasks, things like that. So I love that this can kind of create a more foundational understanding of who you are, particularly your strengths. Because I think when you're in an environment that doesn't fit, it's natural for us to focus on the negative, right? And so that might be either the negative of the environment we're in or the what we perceive to be our own weaknesses, deficiencies, et cetera. So I'm really, really happy that you're talking about emphasizing the positive uh, because I think what ends up happening is if you're in an environment that's not a good fit, you're not feeling good about yourself, you're not feeling good about the job that you're in. And it's really hard to make that kind of a transition because you're not coming from a place of power. You're not coming from a place of strength. And so how do you sort of build that up? So that when you do start to explore other options, you're in the best possible mindset. Exactly that. Exactly that. Because otherwise, you know, it's just what I was doing is bringing my same self to different places and just getting the same results. And I realized, okay, we have to take a step back here and get clear on my unique strengths and not trying to fit myself into the role, the company, the culture, and instead just be clear on what I want. And I think that's where a lot of people and myself included, the people I work with um, struggle with is like looking for that external validation and, and confirmation that, um, you know, you're in the right place, but it's, you're the best person that's going to know yourself the most and um, value yourself the most. So that's a great place to start. So it would be amazing if a job description had the uh, indicators of some of these assessments, right? It's like, I know who's best suited to <laughs> who fits this personality style. But since we don't always have that kind of information, what do you, what advice do you have for people who know that the environment they're in is not the right one? And they don't want to make that mistake again, but they're not quite sure how to evaluate the next one to make sure that it's not going to be a repeat. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because, you know, you could get really clear on where you're at right now and maybe find that you don't need to leave and you can shift a few things and you can um, make changes internally. So I think that that's another way to look at it. Um, but I have everyone that I work with really make a list of what they did and didn't like in their role and company and take what they didn't like and just write the opposite. So you didn't like that your manager was hovering over your shoulder, you were micromanaged, So you like how in this role, you're very autonomous in your new role um, and that you get most of your tasks done on your own and you're really just managing up. So that's just one example. But really being clear on what you didn't like is almost really helpful because it's kind of that contrast where you're like, oh, now I know what I do want. Sometimes you have to learn that way of, you know, getting what you don't want. 
I agree with you. I think that's a great way to figure out what you want because we're always so quick to know what we don't want. And so that question of what do you want always feels so daunting. But if you say, what do you don't want? Then you'll start to come up with answers right away and just flip it around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So do you recommend networking? Do you recommend asking certain questions in interviews? Like how do you know what, okay, now I know that I don't want a micromanager. How do I make sure that the person I'm going to be working for isn't a micromanager? Yeah, I find that so much of, so two parts of your question. I really like the networking informational interviews as a way to discover what you would like in a role that you're not sure about. So it's speaking to people in that industry. Um, And then in the interview, I find that, you know, it's really about your own self-trust and your instincts, because a lot of times they're going to tell you, you know, what you want to hear. They're not going to give you like the full answer. Um, But, you know, if you find a good company, they are going to be realistic with you. So I think being able to tune into your body and the sensations and your gut instincts is really helpful because if you don't, you're going to just focus on the best things about the company or the salary. And I find that that's what trips people up is like, they just saw, oh, they they have amazing benefits and a great reputation. And then they don't check in with themselves. And then they end up in this role and they're unhappy. That's like the main issue that I see with people. I think that's such a good point. And I really am interested in hearing more about the embodiment piece that you're talking about because you use that term and uh then you just referenced that again what does that what does that mean to you how do how do we think about it from a more of a bodily perspective yeah so as women we are really tuned into our senses and really using embodiment is anything but our mind in tuning in in our decision making so our body senses, our um, sense of hearing, sense of smell, and using that in embodying who we really are. And so when you're living disembodied, that's when you are connected to external validation, caring what other people think, um, and focusing on their parameters for success versus yours. So embodying is really a body-based approach that I use with clients a somatic approach to tune into the emotions that are there. Um, and they have a lot of wisdom. And so, you know, we're, we live in a society where everything is very logic and driven and, um, you know, very thought driven. And sometimes that can get us really disconnected from our true power. So that's the part in women leadership that I really focus on, especially as highly sensitive women, introvert women, we do feel everything on a deeper level and our senses are very powerful. So we can tune into those to help us make better decisions. And you had referenced healing earlier. Do you feel like healing is an, a requirement for this process? If if we assume that the experience that has led us to this moment has been something that has been problematic in some way, right? Do you you see healing as a necessary step? Yeah, I do. Because in whatever way that works for people, like some people work great with a therapist or a coach, or they're on a self-healing journey, but 
if you're not aware of your triggers and the stories you tell yourself, you kind of act them out with people. And especially the workplace, it's um, a therapist once referred to me saying it's like a social experiment of like, how are these people going to work together? And you're going to be able to own your side of the street and, you know, clearly tell people what you need if you're very in tune with, you know, your stories that you're telling yourself. And a lot of times it's like the struggles for power. It's like we play out these um, stories from childhood. And that's what I was doing. I think I was making, feeling a little powerless early in my career and kind of putting all the power on whatever company I work for or my manager, but really realizing like, you know, coming into your own power and sovereignty is about healing and having that understanding of yourself. And I think what you're saying at the most basic level is self-awareness, right? Because I yes. do think that so much of this happens at an unconscious level. And I like the way you talk about us playing out different dynamics from our childhood. And it's not that we do that consciously, right? But we do, right. we we sort of uh, repeat patterns. Yes. Familiar to us. And so just the first step is recognizing that that's even happening so that you can disrupt it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just having that awareness is everything. And then you can use that to show up differently. How do I know? I'm just thinking there are probably people listening who are sure that they're in this situation and are eager to take some next steps. How do I know if I'm in this situation? I'm not quite sure yet. Like, what are some things for me to be thinking about? What are some signals that I may benefit from doing the kind of work that you're describing? Yeah. So right from what we're talking about now to play off of that, if you notice a lot of interpersonal conflict at work, sometimes that's a sign that you need to step back and look at, is this situation still benefiting you? Are you getting what you need out of it? Is it best for where you work? Because a lot of times that can be a clue that something is off. And if you try to continuously work through something and it's not getting resolved, that's a sign that, okay, like this might not be the best place or something needs to change. Um, And if you also are finding that you have emotions that are much stronger than the situation that you're in. So if you're find yourself like really angry or crying, um, that's a sign that you're being triggered and something needs to be looked at um, for healing. And yeah, I would say those are like the two main ways to just get some insight on what needs healing, what you need for clarity moving forward. So I think that also speaks to the self-awareness piece of just really checking in with yourself, right? Like, is this working for me? And I don't know that we necessarily have built in mechanisms for doing that. I think that is a practice that we could all benefit from introducing, even if things feel great right now, because yeah. If you don't have it, even when things are good, like you don't know when things shift, right? So- yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you want to know what feels, what being in alignment feels like, what it feels like not being in alignment. So you need to have that 
awareness of that barometer and that can all play into um, becoming more self-aware and having these practices that are body-based to like bring you back into your body, being present. A lot of the times we aren't present and we're, you know, on social media or just really busy on the hamster wheel. And we just stay in this constant state of distraction to kind of avoid that difficult emotion or realization. That's like our default (laughs) to avoid pain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So are there things that you do to stay present? Like, do you have tips or tricks that you could share? Yeah. So I love, um, breath work. So that is something that anyone can really do on their own. And it's a really great clearing practice I find. So if you have an emotion coming up and you don't even know where it's from, um, you can just clear it with your breath and that really goes in your lungs and your belly where you store so much emotion and it helps to release that um, by accessing a non-ordinary um, state. So it's very good for trauma-informed um, healing. And I also love dancing as like a movement practice and just letting the emotion move you and release it and just do this on your own in a um, enclosed space where it's private. And you'll find by just doing this that you can move things out. And especially as a highly sensitive person, it's really hard to sometimes express an emotion in speaking or writing it like it still kind of lives in your body. Yeah. And I'm curious now that you're on the other side of this, right? You're, and and we don't have to overly personalize this, but we'll just, I'm just using you as an example. You've done this work. You're still working. You're working in the better environment. Work is not perfect. There's a reason why we call it work, right? So there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. How do I know that I'm just having an off day? How do I know that this is something that maybe I need to think about personally versus I'm in an environment that doesn't work for me. Like how, how do I keep things in perspective? Ooh, I love that. I think that is so important right now is there's been a huge, um, I guess, awareness of what people need in a role to be happy and should they stay, should they go? Um, I think it's just being really clear on what your values are and those can change over time. So I'm finding a lot of people that started new jobs in um, the pandemic or 2020, like now they're kind of like, oh, my values have changed because that was a a really different time. Um, And so I think it is coming back to your values and reassessing those Um, and figuring out if where you're currently at can meet those and um, if they can't. And I think it takes a lot of courage to, you know, speak up at the company that you're at and get your needs met in different ways, but it's totally necessary. And you, you know, resolve things and you can um, have a career of longevity instead of, you know, not expressing your needs and leaving and just starting over somewhere else. Um, It's having the clarity on what you want and then the courage to approach different conversations um, with your manager, the company at large. And that's going to get you clear on, you know, 
if it's going to meet where you want to be in a year or two years, um, get you clear on that. I think that's a really good point too, because if you think of work as another relationship, yeah, you can't get what you need from the other party without being really honest with yourself and them about what those needs are. And so I think a lot of times we suffer in silence, either thinking we don't have the power to do anything about it or not having the courage, as you said, to advocate for ourselves. And in either case, what ends up happening is we either stay miserable in a current situation for whatever period of time, or we leave. And more often than not, if we haven't figured out how to navigate this, end up in some other similar situation that may start out okay, but eventually gets us back to where we started. And so I do think courage is such a big part of this conversation of like once you know what you want, to be able to share that with your manager or you know other influencers within your organization, because the worst that can happen is they say no. And what that is, is more definitive data yeah. that you can then use for your own decision-making. Yeah, that's an answer too. Exactly. And I love what you said about viewing it as a relationship because it really is. And I think a lot of people that I work with, it's my goal for them to stay where they are if there are certain things that can change. I think when I talk about this in my book too, like when it's a culture and there are certain things that aren't changing that you value, like people are respectful or work-life balance is respected and that doesn't change, then that's a reason to leave because that's not even on the individual level. Like that's um, kind of a collective, like a company comes together and it's, if that's the issue, then that's like bigger than yourself. And there's really no structures that are supporting you. So I think there's like that awareness of your individual, um, you know, needs and how they fit in with the culture of the company. And my goal, though, is to have people like stay where they are and grow if that's the right path for them. Yeah. And I always think that that is an undervalued option because when we are feeling uncomfortable, there's that natural desire to just want to exit. Yes. <laughs> right. And it feels so much easier to just start over somewhere. Yeah. When maybe it just requires a little bit of tweaking. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to leave. It just might be yeah. a terrible conversation or a new way of thinking about something that has been triggering you. Yeah, it's definitely worth being uncomfortable for that because you know you think about the whole process of like interviewing and like going through that and being selective of the companies. That's a whole other different effort. And if you can work with a company, negotiate, and that takes a lot of courage and self-worth and clarity as well um, to have those conversations, then you can design your career and you can have that balance. Um, And I find that a lot of people that if they have just been job hunting and they're burnt out, it's like, well, what role did you play in that? Because like we've been saying, like you can just leave and then keep doing that where you end up next. Exactly. You're going to be uncomfortable either way, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not, there is no comfortable path forward once you know exactly. That. So building those self-advocacy muscles is going to serve you no matter what path you ultimately choose. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This is so great, Emily. I know you've mentioned your book. Can you tell us again what your book is and where to find it? Yeah, it's called Wholeness Within, uh, Insights from One Woman's Journey of Creating a Life and Career in Alignment. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's on Audible now. Um, So it's really a half memoir, half um, really a healing framework that you can go through to validate yourself and access the wholeness within you instead of outsourcing that and looking outside of you. I love that. And uh, any final thoughts that you have today? Um, I don't think so. I really enjoyed chatting with you through this lens of how courage and clarity and self-worth really applies in the workplace. I think that it plays a huge role um, and healing too that people might not necessarily think about and connecting those two is one of my favorite things to talk about. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. This has been great. Thanks so much for listening to the Imposter Syndrome Files. If you would like to continue this conversation in a safe and trusted space, I would love for you to join my virtual discussion group every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. For the past several years, the group has been limited to women, but it is now open regardless of gender to anyone who is interested in exploring and troubleshooting common workplace challenges, building better awareness of ourselves and others, and becoming more inclusive allies at work. Check out the show notes for more info on how to find us. And please join us next week for another episode of the Imposter Syndrome Files.